Welcome to the ParkCast series, episode 27, Trauma-Informed Practice in Child Welfare. The ParkCast series brings evidence-informed child welfare practice to life by highlighting literature reviews from the Particle Archives. This particle provides an overview of the literature related to the impact of trauma on childhood and the background and nature of trauma-informed practice. Children and youth that are involved in the child welfare system are particularly vulnerable to traumatic events and will more than likely have experienced at least one major traumatic event. Many will also have long and complex trauma histories involving physical, sexual, and emotional abuse. The traumatic experience of child abuse and neglect can profoundly disrupt the provision of safe, predictable, and nurturing care that is essential to child development. Children who are involved with the child welfare system and enter out-of-home care experience separation from their primary caregiver, followed by possible further experiences of separation and loss due to placement changes in out-of-home care settings. Given that there is an increased risk for mental health problems following exposure to trauma, there is a critical need to introduce trauma-informed practices within the child welfare system. What is trauma? According to the National Child Traumatic Stress Network, children and youth can experience trauma under two sets of circumstances. In the first instance, some types of trauma events involve experiencing a serious injury yourself or witnessing a serious injury to or the death of someone else, facing imminent threats of serious injury or death to yourself or others, experiencing a violation of personal physical integrity. These experiences usually invoke overwhelming feelings of terror, horror, or helplessness. As these events occur at a particular time and place and are generally short-lived, they are referred to as acute traumatic events. These kinds of traumatic events include, but are not limited to, school shootings, gang-related violence in the community, serious accidents such as car or motorcycle crashes, the sudden or violent loss of a loved one, physical or sexual assault. In other cases, exposure to trauma can occur repeatedly and over long periods of time. These experiences invoke a range of responses, including intense feelings of fear, loss of trust in others, decreased sense of personal safety, guilt, and shame. These kinds of trauma are often known as chronic traumatic situations and include some forms of physical abuse, long-standing sexual abuse, and domestic violence. This type of chronic maltreatment has pervasive effects on development, particularly if it occurs during childhood, interfering with the capacity to integrate sensory, emotional, and cognitive information into a cohesive whole, and setting the stage for unfocused and unrelated responses to subsequent stresses. Our understanding and conceptualization of trauma is often limited to the micro-level, neglecting the socio-political context in which children and families live their lives. Quiros and Berger proposed to broaden the definition of trauma in order to enhance awareness of the intersectionality of race, class, and gender among oppressed groups, specifically women from marginalized populations. They argue that this consideration is essential for the creation of systems of care that are truly trauma-informed. Complex Trauma 
The term complex trauma refers to children's exposure to multiple or chronic traumatic experiences of a long-term nature. Specifically, it includes traumas that are interpersonal in nature, repeated or chronic, begin early in the child's life, and occur within the child's caregiving system, the social environment that should be the source of stability and safety. These traumatic experiences can include physical, emotional, and educational neglect in child maltreatment beginning in early childhood. Many children involved with the child welfare system will have experienced recurrent interpersonal trauma perpetrated by caregivers early in life. Children who have been exposed to complex trauma can develop difficulties in the following areas. Attachment, including problems with boundaries, social isolation, distrust, and suspiciousness. Biology, such as sensory motor developmental problems and problems with coordination and balance. Affect regulation, for example, difficulty with emotional self-regulation, difficulty with naming and expressing feelings, and difficulty communicating wishes and needs. Dissociation, including distinct alterations in states of consciousness and amnesia. Behavior controls, for example, difficulty modulating impulses, displaying self-destructive behavior and aggression toward others. Cognition, including problems focusing and completing tasks, difficulty planning and anticipating, and problems understanding responsibility. Self-concept, this can include lack of continuous, predictable sense of self, low self-esteem, shame, and guilt. Examination of a national sample in the United States found that of over 2,200 children involved with child welfare services, over 70% met the exposure criteria for complex trauma. This same study examined the trauma histories, including complex trauma exposure, post-traumatic stress, and behavioral and emotional problems of 2,251 children and youth up to age 21 who were living in foster care. Authors found that youth with complex trauma histories were more at risk for internalizing problems, post-traumatic stress, and having at least one clinical diagnosis than those without complex trauma histories. Exposure to complex trauma has a potentially devastating impact on developing children. However, there remains the possibility that children in these situations can still function effectively and competently across a range of domains. A child may function well in some domains and exhibit distress in others. Areas of competence can change as children are faced with new stressors and different developmental challenges. It is vital to prevention and intervention efforts that there is an understanding of the continuum of responses to trauma and the coping and protective factors underlying resilience. Older groups of children, age 14 and up, that are involved with the child welfare system have been found to demonstrate a higher prevalence of complex, caregiver-related trauma compared to younger children, those aged 0 to 5. These prevalence rates would suggest that youth who become involved with the child welfare system in middle to late adolescence may be more likely than their younger counterparts to enter the system with backgrounds of complex trauma exposure. Children who have experienced multiple and chronic trauma in the context of their caregiver relationship exhibited a greater number of symptoms compared to children and youth with single incident or non-caregiver trauma.
The Impact of Trauma While the maltreatment experiences of children who are known to child welfare organizations may not necessarily be labeled as trauma, there can be little doubt among researchers or practitioners that for many children, the effect of the abuse and neglect they have experienced manifests itself as challenges in future functioning. Experiencing violence leads to the disruption of typical developmental processes in infants, toddlers, preschool-age children, and older children. Children who have a history of exposure to multiple traumatic experiences within their family settings often meet criteria for numerous clinical diagnoses. However, none of these capture the complexity of their emotional, biological, and cognitive difficulties. The immediate and long-term effects of exposure to maltreatment and other traumatic experiences in childhood are multifaceted. Abuse and neglect, along with exposure to domestic violence, can interfere with the development of secure attachment within a child's caregiving system. Complex trauma exposure can lead to a loss of core capacities for self-regulation and interpersonal relatedness. Children who have been exposed to complex trauma will often experience lifelong problems that can place them at risk for additional trauma exposure, such as mental health and addiction difficulties and chronic medical illness. A 2001 study examined the relationship between the risk of suicide attempts in adulthood and adverse childhood experiences and the number of such experiences. The authors found that the lifetime prevalence of having at least one suicide attempt was 3.8%. Adverse childhood experiences, such as emotional, physical, and sexual abuse, or household alcohol and drug abuse, increase the risk of attempted suicide between two and five times. In an evaluation of a developmental therapeutic service for child welfare clients up to age 18 in Australia, the majority of clients were found to have experienced multiple forms of abuse and neglect, and also presented with complex difficulties, including emotional, behavioral, and developmental concerns. In an assessment of youth involved in the Illinois child welfare system and their exposure to trauma and exhibition of mental health and behavioral challenges, Children with complex trauma exposure exhibited more traumatic stress and mental health symptoms, risk behaviors, and day-to-day -day functioning difficulties, and fewer strengths compared to other children. A review of the literature on the effects of violence in the home on children found that children who are victims or witnesses of violence in the home are at risk for experiencing behavioral and emotional problems and somewhat at risk for impaired social functioning. A total of 27 studies were examined, specifically, 15 explored physical abuse of children as the independent variable, and 12 at the effects of children witnessing intimate partner violence. Children who have experienced physical abuse and have witnessed intimate partner violence may exhibit inappropriate internalizing and externalizing behaviors that hamper their physical and emotional development. The impact that potentially traumatic experiences will have on a child's adjustment varies depending on the developmental stage during which the child experiences trauma. Young children may be particularly vulnerable to experiencing adverse outcomes following exposure to trauma due to their limited coping skills and their dependence on the primary caregiver to protect and keep them safe. In addition, during early childhood, there is a rapid period of development that is easily disrupted by trauma. Brown and colleagues investigated the magnitude and independence of the effects of childhood neglect, physical abuse, and sexual abuse on adolescent and adult depression and suicidal behavior. 
The authors found that being abused as a child makes an adolescent or an adult three to four times more likely to be depressed or suicidal. However, some relationships between childhood maltreatment and depression and suicidal behavior may be explained by adverse contextual factors in the family environment and parent and child characteristics. They also note that childhood neglect alone is not likely to be responsible for depressive disorders and suicidal behavior as its effects cannot be separated from those of other risk factors. Sexual abuse carries the greatest risk of depression and suicide, independently of the contextual risk factors under which the abuse occurs, such as substance abuse and family conflict. Kendall Tackett and colleagues conducted a review of 45 existing studies exploring the impact of child sexual abuse on children and found that sexually abused children had more symptoms than non-abused children. The most frequent symptoms occurring were fears, post-traumatic stress disorder, behavioral problems, sexualized behaviors, and poor self-esteem. However, no one symptom was found to characterize the majority of sexually abused children. The absence of one specific symptom common to children who have experienced sexual abuse provides further support for the use of trauma-informed practice when supporting children involved with the child welfare system. System trauma. Within the child welfare system, practices such as removal of children from their family home, the experience of multiple placements in out-of-home settings, transfer to new schools, and separation from existing social support networks may exacerbate the effects of the original trauma experienced. The risk a child faces of experiencing poor outcomes can increase considerably when a child becomes involved with child welfare services due to periods of impaired caregiving, followed by periods of separation from primary caregivers, the potential for incidents of placement instability, re-victimization in their out-of-home setting, unsuccessful attempts at reunification, and indeed, ultimate loss of primary caregivers. For children whose sense of self, intimate attachments, access to friends, siblings, and their community hangs in the balance of the success or failure of these placements, any change to their circumstances can be experienced as another complex trauma, notwithstanding the efforts and intentions of child welfare staff, foster parents, and biological parents. If and when out-of-home placements are disrupted, a child's feeling of blame and rejection, along with a cessation of new attachments, can compound the traumatic experience and lead to externalizing behaviors. Child welfare, a system designed to create safety and permanence, may therefore inadvertently amplify instability. Culture and trauma. Cultural factors can play an important role in providing effective interventions and treatment to maltreated children. However, there remains a gap in available data on trauma exposure among children from diverse cultural groups. The National Child Traumatic Stress Network has adopted a broader view of culture in trying to understand the impact of trauma on diverse cultural groups. This includes representation of populations who are often excluded from discussions of race and ethnicity, such as immigrant and refugee youth, disabled youth, lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgendered youth, homeless youth, and those living in rural areas. What is trauma-informed practice? In light of the above outlined potential impact of trauma exposure on children and young people, addressing the impact of this trauma is a crucial priority for all child-serving systems. 
In order to create and sustain trauma-informed child welfare services, a knowledgeable workforce, committed organizations, and skilled professionals are necessary. While child welfare professionals may be highly aware of those traumatic events that brought a child to the attention of the child welfare system, they may be much less cognizant of the full trauma the child has experienced and how that history is connected to the child's present behavior. Trauma-informed services address the impact of complex trauma on children, youth, and families by focusing on avoiding unintentionally re-traumatizing them when providing assistance. Trauma-informed practice has both organizational and individual features, similar to evidence-informed practice. The practice's key assumptions are safety, trustworthiness, choice, collaboration, and empowerment. Practitioners with a trauma-informed approach are sensitive to the ways in which a client's current difficulties may be understood in the context of his or her past trauma. They both validate and normalize the client's experiences. Trauma-informed practice requires that the practitioner develops his or her own understanding of how the working alliance between them and the client can itself be used to address the long-term effects of the trauma. There is an emphasis on helping survivors of trauma to understand how their past experiences influence the present, while at the same time empowering them to manage their present lives more effectively. Regardless of their primary mission, be it mental health or child welfare, the commitment of services adopting trauma-informed approaches to practice is to provide services in a manner that is appropriate to the needs of those affected by trauma. The trauma-informed model replaces the labeling of clients as being resistant or uncooperative with that of being affected by an injury. In viewing trauma as an injury, the conversation can shift from asking, what is wrong with you, to what has happened to you. Systems and organizations that offer trauma-informed services account for the psychological, neurological, biological, social, and spiritual impact that trauma and violence can have on individuals seeking support. Recognizing that at the core of any service is genuine, authentic, and compassionate relationships. Quiros and Berger note that in order to become trauma informed, a system of care must demonstrate a broader understanding and recognition of trauma as interpersonal and socio political. A system of care that is trauma informed is also aligned with the mission and values of social justice. Why is trauma-informed practice important in the context of child welfare? Given the likelihood of children and families who are involved with a child welfare system having previously experienced trauma of some kind, there is a strong case for the use of trauma-informed practice in the context of child welfare systems. If we consider the potential influence that childhood trauma can have on later adult functioning and the potential for systems-induced trauma within the context of child welfare, the relevance of trauma-informed practice becomes even clearer. The purpose of child welfare systems is to provide services to children and families who have been impacted by child maltreatment and other traumatic events. Traditionally, the main focus has been on physical protection, safety, and long-term permanency. Focusing on these areas are of course vital in child welfare, however the effects of trauma on child safety, permanency, and well-being have tended to be overlooked. Child welfare organizations have only recently begun to appreciate the underlying role that traumatic stress plays in the lives of the children and families with whom they interact, and how trauma can impact on how these families respond to child welfare interventions. 
By recognizing, understanding, and addressing trauma, child welfare organizations can better achieve their goals while also avoiding, whenever possible, creating additional traumas for children and families caused by trauma-insensitive and uncoordinated systems. Across the United States, there has been a growing interest in trauma-informed child welfare and a recognition that child welfare systems must address trauma if they are to truly meet the needs of children who have experienced maltreatment and their families. Children and youth who enter out-of-home care have typically experienced multiple traumatic events, often perpetrated by a caregiver. These traumatic experiences are often chronic, multifaceted, and associated with a diverse range of severe and complicated reactions across developmentally significant areas of functioning. When the child welfare system does not intervene with children and families in a trauma-sensitive and trauma-responsive manner, the system can in fact create secondary adversities, and new traumas may unfold that impede a child's recovery from the initial trauma that led to his or her initial involvement with the system. In the context of the child welfare system, use of trauma-informed practice is critically important in order to prevent system-induced trauma. Complex trauma that occurs within the child-caregiver relationship is often particular to those children and families who may become involved with child welfare services. Additional existing evidence related to childhood trauma suggests that chronic exposure to child abuse, family violence, and other types of interpersonal trauma during childhood can impact functioning across a number of domains, including emotional, cognitive, behavioral, physiological, and interpersonal. Child welfare practitioners assist children and their families with some of the most complex and challenging problems facing our society today, including poverty, substance abuse, and mental health difficulties. Within trauma-informed systems, staff appreciate the impact of trauma on children and families recognize potential trauma triggers and ways that traditional approaches to service delivery may exacerbate the effects of trauma. A lack of trauma-informed training can affect a practitioner's understanding of a child's symptoms. It is important to assess and identify areas of need for children with complex trauma as soon as they become involved with the system. This information should then be used to determine how to best address children's needs using a trauma-informed approach. The role of the organization in trauma-informed practice. It is important that service providers of child welfare incorporate a trauma-informed perspective into their organizational practices in order to enhance the quality of care that children and families involved with child welfare services receive. This development will include making sure that children and youth are screened for trauma exposure, service providers use evidence-informed practices, resources on trauma are available to providers, survivors, and their families, and that there's a continuity of care across service systems. Within organizations working with children and youth who have experienced trauma, there is often a tendency to focus on those behavioral and emotional reactions that are brought to the attention of child welfare services, while not addressing the context in which these symptoms occur, including trauma exposure histories and trauma-specific reactions. Addressing child trauma presents significant challenges to the child welfare system. At the organizational level, administrative and direct service practitioners require sufficient tools, knowledge, and skills in order to support trauma-informed practices, such as the awareness of trauma triggers. Building organizational and individual capacity for trauma-informed practice requires long-term commitment of planning, resources, and oversight. Children who are involved with the child welfare system 
often encounter additional frightening, stressful, and emotionally overwhelming experiences through system-generated trauma. For example, the experience of multiple placements or repeated school changes. The recognition that organizational culture plays a significant role in determining the most effective strategies to implement change is fundamental to a system transformation of this nature. Implementation of a change in practice at the organizational and individual levels requires sensitivity to other environmental factors, such as budget constraints and practice or leadership changes, along with active efforts to integrate change with other initiatives underway within the organization. Key requirements for implementation also include an organizational assessment of readiness, trauma-informed leadership teams, staff training, and evaluation. In order to realize the principles of trauma-informed care, sustainable strategies are required that will facilitate the growth and development of a culture that cultivates change at the organizational level. A trauma-informed system also acknowledges the impact of this stressful work on child welfare practitioners. While failure to address secondary traumatic stress may lead to burnout and staff turnover, secondary traumatic stress can also influence critical case decisions, placing children at risk. For further information on this issue, please visit the PART website and access the Particle Literature Review entitled Secondary Traumatic Stress in Child Welfare. Trauma Experienced by Parents Involved in the Child Welfare System it must be recognized that the parents of children who have experienced abuse or neglect will often have their own histories of childhood or adulthood trauma. Past or present experiences of trauma can affect parents' confidence and their capacity to keep their children safe and work effectively with child welfare practitioners. Indeed, for many parents, the experience of having their child removed from their home and dealing with child welfare services are, in themselves, traumatic events. The Evidence Base for Trauma-Informed Practice Despite the traction that trauma-informed child welfare practice has received, a structured method for measuring the trauma-informed nature of a specific program, agency, community, or system is lacking. The National Child Traumatic Stress Network has developed a list of empirically supported treatments and promising practices related to child trauma. However, the evidence base regarding the role of trauma-informed practice in shaping outcomes and well-being for children and families involved with the child welfare system is limited. Nonetheless, in light of the links between childhood trauma, complex trauma, and later life functioning, there is certainly evidence to suggest that trauma-informed practice is suited to child welfare practice, but no reported studies illustrate its impact. Trauma-informed practice is a growing area of practice, and as such, it is likely that the knowledge base will increase in coming years. It will therefore be vital for organizations and practitioners to keep up to date as new research on this area emerges. You have been listening to the Parkcast series, Episode 27, Trauma-Informed Practice and Child Welfare. The Parkcast series is produced by Practice and Research Together, a membership-based organization that promotes the understanding and use of evidence-informed practice at all levels of the child welfare system. For more information about this episode's topic, the Parkcast series, or Practice and Research Together, please visit www.parkcanada.org. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at PartEIP. That's P-A-R-T-E-I-P. Thanks for listening.